Good morning, church family and ministry friends. This is Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I'm so glad that you are here today. And I believe God has something for you that will really strengthen your walk with God. The, the message that God has given me today is, is something that when you take it and apply it, you're going to see prayers answered unlike anything you've ever experienced before. Woo, praise God. We'll jump into that in just a couple of minutes. First of all, let's go to Proverbs chapter 11, one verse, verse 24, and let's receive the tithes and offerings today. Praise God. Verse 24, there is one who scatters yet increases more. Now to scatter is the sowing of seed. That's really fun to do. Like if you're planting a new yard and you want some new grass, or maybe you've already got a yard, but you got maybe a few uh, spots that aren't doing too good. So you go to the store and get some fertilizer and some new grass seed and you throw the seed, you scatter the seed. It's very uh, relaxing. Praise God. There is one who scatters yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right. Now, this is a good verse that also talks about having reserves in the sense that you do want to withhold something, but you don't want to withhold everything. Why? Because some of it is designated for sowing. Woo, praise God. And there could even be very rare moments, like very special moments when perhaps God would even say, sow everything. Praise God. Amen. That's Oh, that's very exciting. Ooh, praise the Lord. So there is one who scatters that sowing seed yet increases more. This is fascinating. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, my friends, the way that you come out of any type of financial hardship is through knowledge, not prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting have their place. And as a matter of fact, as many of you know, even this this week and throughout uh, a lot of this month, we are on a liquid fast. Praise God. We're moving right along. But you come out of uh, financial hardship through knowledge of God's word, his principles, his way of living, not through prayer and fasting. That has a different application. In the world, out there in the world system, you gather in order to become wealthy. But in the kingdom of God, you scatter seed to experience ever increasing levels of God's increase. Woo, praise God. Isn't that different? So in the world, you gather, some even hoard, and you hold on tight. But in God's kingdom, you are releasing, you're sowing. Woo, praise God. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. When you sow financial seeds, you reap an ever increasing harvest. Now, second Corinthians chapter nine, verse eight, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. So you can't get an increase when you haven't planted seed into the kingdom of God. Woo, praise the Lord. That's why it's not just prayer and fasting. You have to sow the seed. You can't just pray and fast for tomatoes. You have to sow tomato seed. Praise the Lord. So we want to work with the laws, the principles that God has established. We see those in Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest shall not cease. You know, it's very interesting. Uh, if you are a woman and you're watching and you're single and you want to get married and you're trying to get your life in order and you are, you're, you're available. Praise God. Let me ask you a question. Would you marry a non-tither? Mm, interesting thing to consider. Well, pastor Steve and I would, if he's good looking, what if he's a good looking rebel? What if he, in a sense, loves God, but he doesn't obey the principles of God. See, the person of Jesus creates your peace, but it's the principles of Jesus 
that creates your prosperity. So what if he loves the person, but he doesn't love the principles? Would you marry a non-tither? By the way, if you're not tithing, what kind of a person are you going to attract to you? You're also going to attract a non-tither to you. These are things that we need to consider in our walk with the Lord. Glory, glory to God. I'm convinced from my study of tithing in the Word of God that you cannot secure your destiny without being a tither. Your destiny, the person that God has for you, your spouse, the career that God has for you, the great plan that God has for your life. You cannot secure it if you're not a tither. Why? Because the enemy is a devourer, and he's going to try to mar that picture. He's going to try to do things to tamper with God's plan for your life. But what did God promise to tither? I will rebuke the devourer. I'll keep him off of your destiny. Mm, glory to God. Glory to God. I've seen non-tithers in church marry non-tithers. And years have gone by, and you know what? They're still frustrated financially. And not only that, many of them are living in wrong places. They are working wrong jobs, but you know what? They won't tithe. Mm -mm. And it's not because some of them have not been taught. It's just that they're going to do it their way. Praise the Lord. My friends, what is the tithe? That's 10% of our earned income, whether it's earned or whether it's given as an inheritance, 10% belongs to the Lord. And the tithe goes to the place where you are being fed at spiritually. And when you bring it in into the house of the Lord, when you bring it into the work that God has connected you with, the moment you bring the tithe in, Jesus receives it in heaven. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. What is an offering? An offering is anything beyond your tithe. Now, let's look at that scripture one more time in Proverbs 11, verse 24. There is one who scatters, that would be the sowing of seed, yet increases. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. It leads to lack. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. So the Lord wants you to sow seed so that he can take you into the place of experiencing greater levels of increase. Now, I believe in this year of 2024 that God is going to put the largest seeds into your hand that you have ever sown before. Mark my words. I don't know what your record between you and God in your personal life. I don't know what your record is. Maybe the largest offering you ever gave was this amount. Maybe it was that amount. I believe this year through God's blessing and through your obedience that God is going to bless you and you will hold the seed in your hand. That will be the largest seed that you've ever sown. Praise God. Why? Because you are one who scatters seed. Woo. Praise God. And that positions you for greater levels of increase. Praise the Lord. Now lift your hands. Heavenly Father, I pray for your people blessing and increase. I thank you that they are not those that just withhold and withhold, but they are those that work your kingdom principles. Father, I also pray for those that would be single and they are looking to get married to the right person at the right time. I pray that they would marry a tither. And I pray that they would marry somebody that's spirit filled, that loves you, and uh, is just walking not only in love with you, but also in obedience to you. Now, Father, we thank you. We give you all of the praise that you're working right now. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Oh, hallelujah. God's moving. Now, for those of you that prefer to mail in your tithes and your offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. Our zip code is 28654. Now, if you would like to bring your tithes in online, you can also sow seed, give an offering online. Please go to stephenbrooks.org. Look at the top on the webpage, and there's a link that says Give Online. 
click that, and it says tithes and offerings. Click that, and it takes you to the giving page. There's a little drop-down menu. It says F-U-N-D, fund, and there is the area for the tithe. There are some multiple areas for offerings, and let the Holy Spirit lead you in the giving of offerings. Praise God. Secure your destiny. Be a tither. Walk in obedience. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Be, be sharp. Be, be sharp with God. Walk in obedience. Glory to God. You're going to see such abundance this year that what you have formerly called great by the end of the year, you will look at it and you will say, God has totally taken me into a new realm. If you believe that, please lift both, both hands and say, Amen. Amen. Oh, praise God. The Holy Spirit is working. Glory to God. Father, bless your people financially. I thank you that wealth is their portion so that they can be blessed to be a blessing. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You're blessed. Now today, I want us to go over to the Gospel of John chapter 11. And yes, this is the story of the raising of Lazarus from the dead. But here's what happens, my friends. So many people that have read this story, and I'm sure you've read it many times, they love rushing towards the epic climax where Jesus calls forth Lazarus from the dead. And it, and it is quite epic. It's quite startling. But if we don't slow down and look at the precursors to this great miracle, then we will miss something that is absolute gold. Praise God. I want to talk about it today. It's called the rule of three. And if you will learn this principle, you can get your prayers answered and you can receive miracles in your life just as consistently as two plus two equals four. Okay. Three plus three equals six. And you're probably thinking, yes, I need something easy and, and stable and repetitive pastor Stephen that I can work with. I want to give it to you today. It's called the rule of three. Let's pray. Heavenly father, as we're going into your word, we ask that the sayings of Jesus would be illuminated by your Holy Spirit and we can absorb what he was trying to get over to us. Now we give you all of the praise. We thank you in Jesus name. We say, amen. Now say, I'm going to catch it today. Praise God. Glory to God. Well, again, John chapter 11, why don't you meet me in verse 14? Thank you, Lord. Verse 14. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. <laughs> Boy, he was the man of faith, huh? Well, not on that day. I tell you, there are ways of God. There is the, the path of the Holy Spirit that can be so confounding and puzzling to the human mind where sometimes you might, if you don't learn it, it's almost like you want to just sit down and say, God, I don't get it. Why is it that sometimes I pray, I get a prayer answered, and then later I'll pray another prayer, maybe even on something easier or something that seems like it could happen, uh, you know, a little more simpler, and that never happens. What in the world is going on? And why do we have these various challenges where unbelief would be so frustrating to what it is that we want to achieve? Well, we're going to, we're going to find a way to get past those things today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's continue on by dropping down to verse 20. Now, Martha as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now, we're not really sure why Mary stayed there. Uh, there's, you know, different views there. Some people think that perhaps Mary was upset, and uh, she's kind of like stewing in her juices. Others have said, no, she's, she's too spiritual. Maybe she's kind of like still trying to ponder on in this and uh, maybe get a grasp on what God is up to here. Uh, but nevertheless, 
it stays silent, so we won't dig into that too much. Now, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now that's not, that's not the response that Jesus is looking at. Uh, he, that's not what he's looking for. He's looking here for faith amongst those. And so often Jesus would uh, almost like position things in a way to give his disciples or those around him an opportunity to uh, get involved and to exercise their faith. Like for the, like the time there's not enough food, people are running out of food and uh, Jesus says, well, uh, Philip, look at all these people. Uh, hey, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be good if we can get them something to eat? And, you know, Philip's like, yeah, I'll tell you what, Lord, but, you know, there's no grocery stores or there's, there's no food around here. And, I, well, yeah, I tell you what, that sure would be nice. Yeah, Philip, that, that would be really nice, wouldn't it? Uh, in other words, would you like to step in here and work with me? Uh, but so often they, they would not pick it up and come into an expression of faith. So Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, who is to come into the world. Okay, that, that's good. That's good, Martha. So Martha has settled it that he is the Messiah. She's seen a lot and she has seen him do a lot, but this is different for her. Why? It's personal. And it's always different when you hear somebody else testify, when you hear about somebody else's miracle. But now this whole thing has like come into your life and now your faith is on the line. And so what's going to take place here? Well, the Lord is going to be looking for faith in this situation. That's really what he's looking for. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out following her, uh, excuse me, followed her, saying, she is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Verse 35, of course, very famous verse, shortest verse in the Bible. And probably one of the most misunderstood passages of scripture as well. But when it says Jesus wept, when you look at that word in the original Greek, it is very, very interesting. It's not what people would envision. Maybe somebody wailing and crying and upset. Uh, maybe, you know, the tear, the emotional tug of the heart. This has a uh, very different color connotations and you know, Jesus, of course, would have been able to speak Hebrew, but you know, the Jewish people went into captivity. You had the Northern 10 tribes. They went into Assyrian captivity. You had the, the Southern two tribes. They went into Babylonian captivity and scholars tell us that when they went off in the captivity, you know, of course you're in another culture. Now what happens? You lose that native tongue. Why? You're not in the Holy land. You're not in Israel anymore. You're a long ways off in another country. What happens? You pick up their language. And of course, when Nehemiah and Ezra, you know, they, they came back, 
uh, that was one of the major problems is that very few people could speak Hebrew. So many people spoke Aramaic, and of course Jesus would have been able to speak Aramaic, but during the time of Christ also, that whole area, what we would call modern-day Israel today, that whole area was under the complete control of Rome. And Caesar, back in Rome, uh, was overseeing that, and he had his governors that would oversee uh, various parts of the land that we know as Israel. And uh, so they brought the Greek culture in, because the Romans loved the Greek culture. So most people were speaking Greek. And it is very interesting that this word to weep, when it says that he wept, uh, in the Greek is very, very forceful. It uh Weeping, tears, yes, but almost it can carry with it even the, the edge, the border meaning of anger. Something is bothering him. Why? He is having to carry this whole thing all by himself, and nobody is really helping him to pull here. He is surrounded by unbelief and doubt, and even those within his closest circle, while they would acknowledge him as being the Messiah. Uh, they, they have never come up against something this difficult. And so they tried to pull it off to the later point. Well, yes, Lord, in the last day, you'll, you'll raise everybody up. And he's like, I am the resurrection and the resurrection's right here, right now, standing in front of you. <laughs> okay. So a lot of times when that force like that is there, people sometimes have a hard time absorbing that force of faith and they can almost go tilt. What do they do? Well, you know, Martha left and went and told her younger sister, Mary, uh, uh, he's here. Uh, he says he's the resurrection. And uh, uh, I don't know. You go talk to him. <laughs> Woo. Praise the Lord. So it was very forceful what he was going through. Mm -mm. I, I know what it's like to stand in a meeting with thousands of people where there is such an oppressive atmosphere of unbelief that you feel like you and God are standing there all alone. Now, you know, God's with you, but you feel that heavy, like cloud of unbelief. One time when I was in another nation preaching, uh, this big meeting that I had to preach at, uh, was at the very end of a very, very busy schedule. And I was very physically depleted. But I was prayed up, but I was, I was weak. And when I went into that meeting, there was such a spirit of unbelief that although the people were, we could call them Pentecostal, they, they, there was like a spirit that came there. And when I stood on the platform behind the pulpit, I felt a very powerful evil presence. And I turned to my left and Satan himself was standing there. And he said, you're not going to do good tonight. He said, you're wearing my color. And I was wearing a black safari and it looked really nice, but he was just trying to mess. He was trying to mess with everything. He was trying to block anything from happening. And it really did take the Lord's help to come and literally stand there with me and keep going and keep going until something broke and God's spirit came and we broke. And once we got that, that breakthrough uh, into uh, that wall, we just breached it and got in. And then, then it all began to flow and the, that heaviness just began to lift off the people. But you talking about almost wanting to stand there and out of your gut, like a sigh, like would almost like would somebody please stand with the, uh, the other ministers. They were, it's like they were all wiped out. It's like they were having a off night. It's like nobody was, it's like everybody was a pancake, but God, if you'll just put all of your faith and it's like raw faith, total raw faith in God and trust him when there is no physical evidence, you can break it through. Praise God. And you know what? You're going to. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So he wept. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Now get ready. Get ready. We're building to the climax. We're building to the glory. You, in your own life, can have times where you do see the glory. 
you see things done where God moves in your life and you stand back and say, that was an absolute raw miracle. I don't care what anybody says. I know, I know what's going on in here. That was a miracle. But before you get to the glory, you've got to catch what he is about to say. I call it the rule of three. Woo, praise God. Verse 38, then Jesus again groaning in himself. He, he is total solo on this. He's all alone on this. None of the 12 are standing behind him saying, go for it, Jesus. You got this. You got this. Look, look, you've got Thomas saying, hey, let's, let's go. We might as well just die and get killed with him. You know, <laughs> well, you had different, you had different governors over different quadrants of that area. And some of them were looking for Jesus would love to have caught him and to, uh, you know, you know, do whatever they would want to do with him, kill him preferably. But, um, no, he has, he has no backup except for the Holy spirit. Mm -mm. You will not always have somebody patting you on the back. You will not always have somebody uh, in your corner cheering for you. And you, you need to know how to stand when all you have is faith. You need to know how to stand. Praise God. Then Jesus again, groaning in, in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Okay, so you're in a couple of places now. If you have been following Jesus up to this point, you've seen, you've seen some really uh, neat things. But this, this is like new, new level, new territory. The guy's been dead for all of his days. He even stinks, uh, Jesus. Uh, and he, woo. So are you with him? Mm, take away the stone. There's, there's no turning back. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench for he has been dead four days. But Jesus, he is so dialed in. And you have to be also. Uh, you've, when those around you don't understand your assignment and how God has spoken to you, uh, you must still continue on. Mm -mm. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you? All right, here we go. Here's your rule of three. It works on three primary things, and it's a principle of faith that is eternal. Here's the first thing you've got to catch. Number one, did I not say to you? Number one, you must have a word from God. If you want to accomplish something out of the ordinary. If, if you want to do something that in a sense, others can't like do because it takes the hand of God. If you want to uh, fulfill the thing that God has been speaking to you about, you must get a word from God concerning that. No guesswork, no, no fabricating it. Oh I, yeah, I've heard from God. Well, hold on. You've only been praying for five minutes. You heard already on something that major. Oh yeah. Me and God are like that. We're, we're close all the time, buddy. Yeah. Just like that. Uh, you're, you're hitting for disappointment and things like this, like what he's doing right now, you must absolutely have heard from God. And that's what he tells Mary. And that's what he tells Martha. Did I not say to you. So you have got to number one, you have got to get that word. Number two, that if you would believe, believe what? Ah, ah, pastor Stephen, I believe that the millennium reign of Jesus will be a thousand years. Hey, that's really nice. That's, that's beautiful. That's not though what he's talking about. Pastor Stephen, I believe that when Adam and Eve were in the garden and they sinned, they wrapped themselves with fig leaves. Yes, that's nice. I believe that too. That, that's, not what, that's not what he's looking for. <laughs> Look, general faith, general faith is nice, but when you want to get into the miracle zone to see the glory, you've got to go through these steps. Number one, you must have a word from God. By the way, why do you think we're fasting and praying? Because we don't like food. Pastor Stephen, you fast and pray because you're an ascetic. Oh, 
Oh, you haven't been around me. I, I had a ministry partner fly in to meet me uh, uh, like a couple of months back, and we met at a restaurant uh, close to the Charlotte airport. And he said, oh, Pastor Stephen, I, he said, after hearing you preach so long and hearing your spiritual messages, he said, I wasn't even sure if you, if you, if you even eat food. <laughs> and he watched me while, while I ate a whole serving of barbecue beef. Amen. He said, Pastor Stephen, you do eat after all. Yes. Yes, praise God, amen. But I, I don't just fast because, I, 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 you know, this is, you know, this is, let's just grind it out and do this because, uh, no, 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 no. I fast because just like you, I want to hear from God. And fasting and prayer puts you in a position where your spiritual senses, they, they are on a new level. And you get to hear. You get to hear. Why? Because if you want to do what God's called you to do, you better hear something. Because if you venture out on your own, uh, that's how many believers get themselves in the very difficult situations. Number one, did I not say to you, get your word from God. Number two, that if you would believe. Okay, so number two is that you have to dare to believe what God told you. Okay, because he, he, he'll talk. The, don't be, he will talk, but just because he gives you a word, you better believe it. Well, Pastor Stephen, I, I, had, I had an angel sent from heaven, stand before me and give me the word of the Lord. Good, you better believe it. You better get on it. Mm -hmm. So you get your word from God. Number two, Jesus said that if you would believe, you have to believe it. Believe what? Not the whole Bible. Although we do believe it. That's not though what he's talking about here. You have to believe what he told you. In this case, I'm the resurrection and you about to see some dead. You about to see a dead person come out of around here. <laughs> That's why he said Lazarus. Because if he would have just said come forth, every tomb around there would have emptied. You'd have people pushing tombstones back. You'd have that whole, you'd have catacombs. You'd have people coming up, ossuary boxes bursting forth. You'd have people all over the place. But he was deliberate and specific. Lazarus! Mm -hmm. <laughs> Woo! Praise God. Amen. So you have to believe. And number three, if you get the word and if you believe, number three, you will see the glory of God. There you go. That is the three rule principle of faith. If you, and you can work it over and over. And if you, now if you break it, if you break it, it's like a math problem that won't work out. But if you follow it every single time, it works every single time. It's just like a math problem. Four plus four is eight. We're not going to get off in the quantum physics or weird stuff where maybe it's no, no, no. We're working with the basics. One plus one is two. Three times four is 12. It's the same thing. If you work this three-step principle, or I call it the rule of three, you get crazy results. And you will learn the walk of faith. Woo, praise God. Mm -hmm. You know, for the last 20 years of our life, my wife and I have learned to operate in this walk of faith. It really started strongly when I woke up one morning to go to work. And at 6 o'clock in the morning during my prayer time, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, when you go into work today, turn in your two-week notice, you're going into the ministry full time. Now, if I would have said I didn't hear that, I would have been lying. I heard God say that to me. I, and so I went into work that morning. I turned in my two-week notice, and I said, hey, I've had a great time here. I've really loved working for this company over the years. And, uh, but I've got to, I've got to step into the next phase of my life and big regional manager who was there. He said, um, he said, Stephen, are you sure you want to do that? He said, just before you got here, we just got out of a meeting and we have decided that you, and he named one other person, me and this other person were always, were always working all out. He said, we have already decided that you and him are each being elevated to be managers over different departments. He said, are you sure you want to do this? He said, we'd love to have you in this corporation long-term and just go up this ladder. I said, thank you. And I was, and I was very thankful to him and I really thanked him. 
But I said, I've got to, I've got to go this other direction. Why was I so confident? Because I actually heard God say that to me. I didn't fabricate it. I didn't say, I'm going to do this because I want to go in the ministry so bad I can't stand it. And, and didn't just quit my job and run into it. No, I heard God say it. And when he said it, I only had three meetings booked for the whole year. Because up before then, I would go around from church to church, like on a Wednesday night or on a Sunday when I had free time, and I'd preach. I'd be like a guest speaker, come in and operate in the prophetic and stuff like that. But I was still working full-time, 48 hours a week, while doing all the ministry stuff on the side, while being a husband, while being a father, while trying to juggle all of this. But that morning, God said, give your two-week notice, you're going into the ministry full-time. And although I've only had three meetings on the schedule book for the whole year. I've never, I've never had downtime. I've been running ever since. Woo. Praise God. Why? I heard from God. I dared to believe. So that meant, that meant I've got to now, he, this is what he said to do. Now I've got to get busy, turn in your notice and start, start making preparations, you know, start, you know, and for me that was transitioning from our family into a motor home where we put everything that we had in storage and moved the little that we did keep into the motor home. And for three and a half years drove all over the country in that motor home. Sometimes I'd zip off. We'd fly off in a jet somewhere overseas and minister, but it was mainly just meeting the meeting, meeting the meeting, church, the church conference, the conference all over the country to the point that years later, when we went back to that storage unit to get our stuff out of storage, uh, we had even forgotten what we had. It's like, wow, we actually have a couch. <laughs> hey, that's pretty cool. Hey, look at that old TV, you know, uh, uh, because we had been so busy traveling for the Lord. By the way, side note, what happens? Let's say, let's say God doesn't speak to you, but you do it anyhow, and you quit your job and you try to launch yourself into the ministry without God launching you. You tried to launch yourself in the ministry. What happens? What happens if you do that? Well, Pastor Stephen, God's compassionate. Surely he understands and he sees that there's a need and he'll get behind you and pick you up and carry you. Uh, my friends, you have broken the rule of three. You have broken it. You broke the first part. You never got a word from God to do that. What does that take you to? It takes you to the, it takes you to the exact opposite of Luke chapter 22, verse 35. You get the exact opposite. You get it reversed. Take a look at this. Luke chapter 22, verse 35. Praise the Lord. Oh, that's some good apple juice. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. And he said to them, when I sent you without money bag, knapsack, and sandals, did you lack anything? Now, now think about it. Jesus sent these men out two by two. He sends them out, and they don't even have a backpack. They don't have a big stash. They have no financial safety net. They don't even have an ATM card. They don't have anything except Jesus sent them. So he said, when I sent you, did you lack anything? So they said, nothing, nothing. Now, after the years of ministry that my wife had been serving the Lord in the work of the ministry full time, I can stand here and say, we lack nothing. Why? Because he sent us. We did not send ourselves. He sent us. And I can say the same thing. We're, we've lacked nothing. God has always made a way. From a motorhome coming into our lives supernaturally to travel all over the country, uh, and that working out, to the place when we didn't need it anymore, it was like taken off of our hands, and then we moved into the next phase, and phase after phase, and meeting after meeting, and invitation after invitation. It just came. Oftentimes when I would be in the middle of nowhere with nothing on the calendar, no place to go next, thinking, well, Lord, I wonder what's going to happen next. And then suddenly a call would come. Hey, Brother Brooks, where are you at? Well, I'm just hanging out, spending a little time with the Lord. I'm up in Montana. Hey, could you come over here and hold me a meeting? 
Well, I think I can. When would you like me to come? Well, as soon as you can get here. Well, praise the Lord. Let me head on over there. I'll start driving down the Texas right now. I had stuff like that happen over and over and just meeting the meeting, meeting the meeting. Why? Jesus sent me. Why? Because I heard him say, go. Mm. Your rule of three will always begin with what Jesus told Martha. Did I not say to you, if you don't have that, I would highly encourage you to keep waiting on the Lord. Mm -mm. No, I'm not talking about you need that if you go to the vending machine and you're trying to decide on what snack you have. You don't need that in order to select whether you want the Frito corn chips or you want the Dorito Cool Ranch flavor. You, 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 you don't need that. But I'm telling you, when it comes to major destiny decisions, when it comes to things that you really need to know, we can't be guessing on this. You better get your word from God. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I laughed when I read about the time that Dr. DGS Denikaran from India, he talked about the time when Jesus came to him in a vision and said, it's now time for you to go full time into the ministry. Now, if you know about Dr. Denikaran, he was a banker and he had worked at the bank a long time. And on the side, like on the weekends and at night, he's preaching all over the place. And he kept doing that while he kept moving higher and higher up in the banking realm. But Jesus appeared to him in a vision and said, now I want you to step into the ministry full time, which means leave your bank job. And uh, Dr. Jenna Karen said, uh, Lord, I'm, I'm having a problem here with, with actually doing this. And the Lord knew what he was referring to. And the Lord said, well, go ahead and talk to me. And Dr. Denikaran said, Lord Jesus, I see so many other Indian pastors, Indian evangelists, and they're poor. They don't have enough money. I've got plenty of money working here at the bank, but I look at many of them. They don't have enough money. Their wives and their children are not pro uh, clothed properly. They're not fed properly. They're not educated properly. And there, many of them were even destitute. And I, I don't, I don't want that to happen to me. And he said, why, why does that happen to them? You know what Jesus told him? Are you ready for this? He said, I never called them into the ministry. Watch out. Watch out. Some of you, you're catching some things right now. He told Dr. Denny and Karen, I never called them into the ministry to come work for me full time. I'm not responsible for them. They're supposed to be working other jobs. You must only go when the Lord says to go. Or what happens? You end up trying to claim promises from the Bible, and you try to force it to work, and you're driving a square through a round peg, and it won't work. And eventually, you're going to get mad at God, or you're going to get frustrated, at, or, or at the best, you'll sit down and say, there's something I don't know. This is not working. I know it's supposed to, but it's not. Why? You've broken the rule of three. You never got the word from God. And you went on your own. Mm -mm. By the way, Dr. Denikaran said in that vision, Jesus said, okay, this is what I'm going to do for you. And he drew up a contract and said, I, Jesus Christ, head of the church, do hereby call DGS Denikaran into the ministry full time. I promised to take care of him and meet his needs, blah, blah, blah. And had a, and at the bottom, he signed his name, Jesus Christ. And he said, here, you sign if you agree. And Dr. Denikaran signed. <laughs> and the rest was history. He went on to a, went on to a powerful, powerful international ministry. He was known as the prophet of the East. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. How do Christians get themselves into trouble? How do Christians get themselves into places of, un of unanswered prayers? They, th this is how they do it. They do it by picking promises out of the Bible, like picking cherries off of the cherry tree. Now, I've got a cherry tree at home, and this past summer, that thing was loaded. I could stand there and eat the fruit of my labor because Kelly and I, we planted that tree. We planted the apple tree also and it did really good. And so we're eating apples and we're eating cherries and the cherries, I was just picking cherries and eating all the cherries. I maybe have to apologize to the birds. I didn't leave too many to the birds. I eat almost all of them myself. <laughs> but you know what? You can't do that 
with the promises of the Bible. Pastor Stephen, we have a song. All of the promises of God are yes and amen. Now bring in the choir all together now. All of the promises of God are yes and amen. Did you ever stop to think? There's over 10,000 promises in the Bible. How in the world are you going to claim all of them? Even if you could, are you going to live to be a thousand so that you could actually walk them all out? No, this is where Christians make mistakes. Oh, I like that. I take that. Brother so-and-so took that. It worked for him. Oh, I like, I like this one. Oh, oh, wait, this one fits what I really want. Yes, yes, that's the one I want. And we're grabbing, grabbing, like grabbing the cherries off the tree and saying, yes, this is mine. And we eat it. It's mine. But it doesn't manifest. Why? Because Jesus did not say that to you. Is it in the general word? Yes. But it is not a spoken word to you, and you cannot hijack that and try to make it work for your life. Mm. Example, Matthew chapter 28. Oh, yes, Pastor Stephen, that is where the Great Commission is recorded. Yes, watch this. Matthew 28, verse 18. Are you learning something? Hang, hang with me. I'm going to get this rule of three into you, and you're going to have an amazing year. Praise God. Hallelujah. Mm -mm. Verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching, etc., etc. Pastor Stephen, we must fulfill the Great Commission. Yes. Pastor Stephen, we must take the gospel to the whole world. Uh, did you ever stop to think it's a really big world? That not everybody speaks English? That there's over 8 billion people? Some of them in remote areas that don't have any, they don't even have a written language, much, le much less a Bible. Mm. But Pastor Stephen, we must take the gospel to all of them. What happened to the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts chapter 16 and verse 6? Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by, oh, Pastor Stephen, they were forbidden by the devil. He blocked them from going in there. Hold on, that's not what the Bible says. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. That's modern day Turkey. But Pastor Steve, we're supposed to, we're supposed to take the gospel in all the world, and Turkey is part of the world. We're supposed to take the uh, the Holy Spirit forbade them to preach the gospel in that in that region. That, uh, Pastor Steve, I'm having a little bit of a problem here. The reason we run into problems is because we skip the rule of three, and we want to get to the glory. We want to get to the miracle. We want to get to the, to the good stuff, but you've got to work the rule of three. Mm -mm. So they couldn't go there. After they had come to Messiah, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the spirit did not permit them. Well, pastor Stephen Bithynia, is that not, a, isn't that all part of the world? And that would be under the mandate of the great commission in a general sense. Yes. But as far as a word of God to go there, absolutely not. Mm. And whoo, I want to say something. My friends, you cannot take the spiritual tool of prayer and fasting and use it to try to manipulate God to get him to give to you what you want when that's not your portion. Pastor Stephen. Not, let me give you an example. This is how it works in Bible college or for young ministers. Pastor Stephen, I want to serve God on the mission field. Well, praise God, brother. That's wonderful. Where do you think you'd like to go? Well, Pastor Stephen, I, I think God wants me to go to, to uh, Tahiti. He does. Wow. That's on the other side of the planet. Well, yes, Pastor Stephen, I, I think, I think what God wants me to go minister the down there, you know, to the islands of uh, French Polynesia. Oh, do you speak French? No, but, you know, I, I kind of like the culture. Oh, you mean you like the beach? Y yeah. 
well, is that really what God wants? Well, yes, Pastor Stephen, it would be for His glory. Uh, is it for His glory or for yours? Because you like to get a good suntan, and boy, they've got a really great climate down there, don't they? Sure is beautiful. Why, why don't we just all go? But what should we do? We should follow the rule of three, and we should get a word from God on how we should govern our life. Why? Because the just live by faith, not on our preferences, not on what we like. Hmm. Glory. Glory. Why do sometimes we almost like want to force God to give us this certain answer? Hmm. Why is it that we fall back and would even fabricate a word, create one out of our soulish realm? Why? Because we want, we want to do it our way. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. And perhaps we're not so willing to pay the price to wait on the Lord, fast, pray, slow down, present ourselves as needy before God so that he can speak to us and show us the way forward. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But the walk of faith becomes very real to the man or woman whose life is surrendered to the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want to ask you that if you were placed in a certain scenario, could you make it? If you were placed in a position where you were dropped off and you have no contact except for God, and you can't get a hold of perhaps your rich parents. Or your rich grandmother over there with the big inheritance waiting for you. You can't get a hold of her either now. And you have no ATM card. And God also will not allow you to tell others your need. I've been there a thousand times. In the overall ministry vision, I share that with the people to give you the opportunity to sow seed so that God can move you forward in his plan. I give you opportunity to tithe so that you can be blessed by God. <clears throat> but there are many, many other needs for the ministry I never present publicly. I simply take them before God in raw faith, trusting Him that somehow, someway, He'll get it to me. And He does it. And personally, with my personal needs, I take those before the Lord and never say anything. Now, I'll share it with my wife, and we'll be in prayer and agreement. But I've, I've been in places where there has been desperate need. And God, now this is the faith school. This is the university of the spirit of the walk of faith, where God has taught me the rule of three. And having heard God give me a word, I must stand on that word and not drop little subtle hints. Hey, uh, yeah, if you get a little extra blessing, I could use a little over here. You do that, you fail the course of the school of the spirit. You play games like that where you fall back on the safety net, you will never graduate from this school. I've been in places where my back has been against the wall and I've needed God to come through. And I would stand and stand and right at the last minute sometimes God would come through in some of the most craziest, unexpected ways. And God would prove to me that this is the walk of faith. And if you will... Follow that, that procedure. One, get God's word. Two, dare to believe it. Then what will happen? You will see the glory. I'm talking even if it's a resurrection from the dead. It, it, you, you will see the glory if you get that word, you believe it, you're going to see it. It'll work. That's why I'm saying you could take everything from me. Why? Because I've been in places where I've had nothing. And all I had was raw faith. But because God would give me a word, the next thing, it's God's lifting, God's blessing. And then before you know it, boom, you're right back on track. You're cruising, praise God. Even if you emptied, if God told you, I'm not saying to do this, but if God told you, empty your entire savings and put it into that ministry work that I'm telling you to put it into. If you did it, God's not trying to bankrupt you and put you on the street. He is trying to get you into a miracle. He is literally trying to get you. If he tell, if he told you to do it, and you were, and, and he really said that, and you believed him, you're going to see Lazarus come out of that grave.
You're going to see it with your own eyes. You are going to have your own miracle. Not, not, not somebody else that you're rejoicing in. Praise God, brother. Whoa, I like that. No, you have your, you could have one that others are like, whoa, whoa, tell it, tell it again. Whoa. Mm. And you're going to see it this year. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You could make it uh, you, with no safety net. I'm telling you what many people have as backups. It is a handicap. It will stunt their spiritual growth. Having somebody to call and bail you out. Having somebody that could rescue you just in case God doesn't come through. Oh, you'll never, you'll never see the glory if you choose that kind of a life. And I get it. I feel it just like you do. When Jesus said, you have to lose your life to find it. Woo! Oh, oh Pastor Tim, that's so beautiful. I love the words of Jesus. Yeah, but when you have to actually live it, you're like, wow, this is raw. <laughs> this is like, woo, praise the Lord. And I'm not talking flaky stuff. I'm not talking weird, bizarre, don't have a job for 10 years, lazy. But I'm not talking about stupid, fraudulent stuff that embarrasses the, the, the authentic, but when you are really walking with God, yeah, he'll put you some places where he'll, he'll walk you through it and you're not allowed to tell anybody and you've got to stand there and stand on that word. Mm, mm, mm. Praise God. That's why we seek the Lord at the beginning of the year so we can hear from God. You know, there's a, there's a Baptist preacher. He doesn't talk in tongues. He doesn't roll in circles on the floor and shout, Hallelujah, I'm Pentecostal. Woo. He doesn't do any of that. But there's a Baptist preacher I admire. He's a godly man. He prays. He seeks God to the best of his ability. He does a fast, 21 days, uh, liquid fast, the beginning of every year. And one time he was faced with a great challenge, needed millions of dollars, needed this project to move forward. And of course, there's, there's no way that can happen without God. It's way beyond the ability of his church to do, way beyond... I mean, he, know, he knows the income of, of the parishioners. He knows the numbers. He knows only God could do this thing, but he has this thing on his heart. And uh, he's really like, God, if you give me a word, you can make this happen. But, you know, many times God will just, he'll kind of enjoy your company and he won't talk until it's just right. So don't, don't force him. Just hang out, especially on a fast. Just pray in the spirit. If you can't get it out in English, just pray in the spirit and just enjoy God's presence. But I'm telling you, he will come and he will talk to you. And this pastor said on the last day, day 21 of his liquid fast, he was very weak physically. And, uh, uh, you know, he decided to go out and go for a walk. He even, he, he even kind of made it a little extra tougher. He didn't even stay at home. He went and stayed in a tent to seek God. And the tent was by a forest. And so he kind of walked out of the tent. It was day 21. He was weak from fasting, no food. And he was walking through the woods, just worshiping God, saying, Jesus, I love you. Heavenly Father, I worship you. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence. And while he was walking real slow, he tripped on a tree root, and he fell on the soft soil of the, of the dense forest floor, and he fell on the ground of the forest floor. And while he was there with his face down in the leaves, God spoke to him and said, as long as you maintain this spirit of humility, I'm going to help you build that building. I'm going to help you raise that thing up. And that year he built a multi-million dollar facility to the glory of God. How though? How? He got the word. God wants to talk to you, but you must make room for him. Oh, I'm not talking about square footage. I'm talking about time. I'm talking about getting up early and praying and waiting on God. I'm talking about doing some fasting, seeking the face of God. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And positioning yourself to hear from God. Glory, glory. Because if you can, that's how it works. You get that word. One more time. One more time. The rule of three is found in John chapter 11, verse Verse 40, Jesus said to her, ladies, he's still saying it to you. Men, he says it to you. 
did I not say to you? Now, what did he say to Martha? That he's, what is he looking for? Uh, Pastor Stephen, Jesus wants me to confess that I believe that there were 12 apostles. No, no, no. We, we know that. We're not looking for facts and information. He wants, he wants that confession that he is the resurrection life and something big is about to go down. Mm, okay. Number one, did I not say to you, you must get God's word on it. You must know that God spoke to you. Number two, why, why, why? Because that word is a seed form that within it has creative power that gets released when you believe it. It can do anything. Anything, healing, financial miracles, anything, deliverances, it could do anything, but you've got to get it. Mm. Did I not say to you, number two, that if you would believe, you've got to dare to believe him. And that, that often because an expression that you really do believe means get ready. Whatever this thing is, you better start moving towards it. Pastor Stephen, God told me I'm going to travel this year. Where, where, where Have you applied with your passport? Well, it's out of date. Oh, you better get moving. You better get moving. Mm -mm. What happens if you do this? You will see the glory of God. Whether that's a dead man coming out of a tomb, or whether it's a financial outpouring, or whether it's God invading your home, everybody that's sick getting healed, any demon problems being driven out. Hallelujah. Glory. God wants to move. Lift your hands. Father, I pray for your people that the rule of three be engraved upon the tablet of their heart. I thank you that they have hearts of flesh, soft, soft, soft. Let it be engraved upon their hearts. Mm, the rule of three. It is a law of faith. Thank you, Father. Father, if there have been great disappointment, uh, disappointments previously, vexing frustrations previously, Often it was because this, this principle was broken. Somewhere along the chain, something was broken in it. But I thank you that now they know they're going to string this together and they're going to have a major, major year of increase and breakthrough. Now, Father, I thank you that you talk. And it doesn't have to be a shat uh, like an a earth-shattering, thunderous voice, but you do talk. Sometimes it almost can even seem like it's audible, but so often it's still that voice of your spirit could be the voice of an angel. But father, I thank you that you're going to get your word over to them and we give you all of the praise. We thank you that destinies are unstuck and that the creative power within the word is going to bring forth a great miracle. Father, they're destined to see the glory I thank you that they'll, they'll experience it. We give you all of the praise. We thank you that you're moving. Your Holy Spirit is locking this, sealing this into their hearts right now. We thank you that nothing is impossible with you, but there's a process for that. We thank you, Father, that John said in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, that we must ask according to your will. We thank you that your word lines up with your will. We thank you, Father, for the word confirming. We give you all of the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Glory. Praise the Lord. Just lift your hands and worship the Lord. Father, we give you praise. We give you all of the glory and honor. We thank you that you're a good God. We thank you, Heavenly Father, you're going to do some new things for your people this year. Some new things. Some things are still surprises. They'll be discovered as your people move forward in faith, we give you all of the praise. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. If you're watching me, listening to me, you don't know Jesus. Make your peace with God right now. I want to lead you in prayer. If you're away from God, you're not right with God, come on back. I want to lead you in prayer. Let's pray together. Just say, Lord Jesus, I've sinned against you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. Wash me clean with your precious blood. Jesus, save me right now. Write my name in your book of life. 
and step into, your, into my life and lead me and guide me from this day forward. In your name I pray. Thank you for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. Praise God. Praise God. Angels are rejoicing. Angels are rejoicing. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Now, if you are a Christian, let's take Holy Communion together. Grab some grape juice. Grab some unleavened bread. I want to speak encouragement to everybody that's on the liquid fast. Some of you are going seven days, some 10 days, some 21 days. May God's grace be upon you. Today, I started a little, you know, I started a few days earlier than uh, some other people. Today is number 18 for me. My friends, you just go one day at a time. Before you know it, you'll be sitting on day number 21. And you'll probably start thinking about what's for dinner. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it through this prayer, and we Set it apart now as being holy. We thank you that this is the body and the blood of Jesus. Now, Father, as we receive the Lord's flesh, we thank you that you are a living God. You're not like some rock or stone that can't talk. We thank you that you are a God who communicates. You give instruction. You give guidance. You are a very all-wise God. Father, as we receive the Lord's flesh, we thank you for your word being made alive unto us. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Let's partake together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for safety and protection in Christ. We plead the blood of Jesus over our minds, our thought life, our families, our homes, our properties. We thank you for the blood hedge of protection over our lives. Thank you, Father, for the blood of Jesus. We give you all of the praise, all of the praise. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's receive together the Lord's blood. Praise the Lord. On your time of prayer and fasting, relax, slow down, wait on the Lord in prayer. Give God time to talk. Don't try the force. Don't ever try to force God to say something, do something. Just relax. Enjoy him. Enjoy his presence. Just like yourself. There may be times if somebody wants to talk with you about something and you're just like, I, I don't want to talk right now. I don't, or, or I don't want to talk about that. God's the same way. And if he doesn't want to talk about a certain thing that maybe you so desperately want to pray on, you have to understand that he's God. And that's okay. Just love on the Lord. Worship the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Pray in tongues. Hmm. And God, God will speak when he's ready and he will speak. Heavenly father, bless your people. I thank you father that the rule of three is now a part of their spiritual vocabulary. It's now a part of their knowledge base of the Christian faith. Let it always come back to them by your spirit when they're making major, major decisions. We give you praise. We thank you in Jesus name. Bless your people, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. See you back again real soon. Bye-bye.